been enjoying the blessings of the Lord. A little bit of is going to have to come up here and testify, but it's always a pleasure to me to speak to God's people at any time, because I feel that they say the Bible time, I'm one of them. And to be associated here with such a lovely group, through the week I have certainly enjoyed eventually all these wonderful testimonies of the brethren who have gave us these great testimonies of their healing and of their businessmen who have told us of their, how their business prospered. And Brother Gardner last evening, I appreciated his testimony and talk. And so many things have happened and I have come to get full. As uh, I said, William Booth Clifford one time said that down in London, England, that they was, he was walking around with the police one night because he missed his car, couldn't go home. It was a streetcar. It was too late. And it was raining and said he found a man that was over intoxicated laying in the street. So they just picked him up and throwed him in the paddy wagon, taken him over, and throwed him in the jail. Mr. Clifford said, well, down the bond of the Salvation Army, said, well, we would take him in fix him up, give him a hot bath, give him some coffee and stuff, but you still let him lay down a porch? Sure, I won't hurt him. So, uh, why do you mean it won't hurt him? Somebody's too full of drinks, but he's so whiskey so much that he's got a little pour just filled up. The, the cold and stuff can't get in. I think that's where I mean. So filled up with the Holy Spirit in the world, the devil don't even have a chance. <laughs> This thing just keeps coming off, but he doesn't close the hole of the hand. <laughs> One of the outstanding things that struck me greatly among the testimonies, which they've all been very great, but one of the things was the testimony of the Brother Salman, Brother Brown, of his, uh, how the Lord dealt with Brother Crown. How many heard his testimony? Dr. Ham and I were talking about a little later. And now, you see Brother Krauss being a very fine Christian, he had tried hard, his good friend or a friend to Brother Earl Roberts had prayed for him, and he didn't seem to get any different. And then he thought, oh, Brother Brandon prayed for me. I'll be all right. So, well, I prayed for him, no different. <laughs> I stood by him for 45 minutes, almost one day, he and his lovely wife, to see if the Lord would speak in a vision to say something to him, but nothing happened. And then finally, at the hospital, when the doctors had operated and giving no hope, or not much hope of ever seeing come through again, then when he was at the end of his road, then Father's grace stepped in. And the glory of the Lord came down on him in the room, and he was just uh, just bathed in God's beauty. And when love has been projected, then it's time for Father's grace to step in. It'll do it every time. You know, it's a strange thing that how we human beings like to do things ourselves. But we are children of God, and many times we have to just take a seat and study on until God comes around and does it His way. And 
Notice a little child. I was just sitting back there a few moments ago talking to a very fine medical doctor from Chicago who I had the privilege of having breakfast with this morning. And we were speaking, and he perhaps he knows this, I'm sure he does. Many times you have a little child, and he gets on a little uh, temper tantrum, we call it, in our home. Oh, he's just kicking and squealing and going on, he's going to tear up everything, and go to hold his breath. And usually a mother will come and shake him and throw him up the air and try to get him to get his breath. I don't think this is a case in history where one of them ever died. <laughs> he just has to run to the end of his road, and then nature takes over. <laughs> That's where we're Christians sometimes. We just have to run to the end of the road and let grace take over. We have to have that theology out so God can really get to work. Did <laughs> you believe that? And God does work in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Now I've noticed this, that each one of us, as sons and daughters of God, many times I have thought of Pentecost. The Lord said they were all in one place and one accord. Now where there's unity, well there's power. And then if we only knew that each one of us, in an amateur way, is a creator. Uh, we're sure that you understand that. You see, the little success that the Lord has given me, as I'm to testify this morning, uh, success is because of this one thing, that the patience that I'm praying for in the sick line I have to enter into their fellowship of suffering with them. And that's the reason why I can't have a prayer line where you just run through like a bunch of sheep coming to a yard. You've got to feel the, the need of that individual standing before you. If you don't, you can't have the feeling of it. Like Paul Rader once said, said he was going to work one morning, so he in his life had a little well of disagreement, and he said as he started out, he kissed his wife goodbye, she was crying, but he always walked out there, the gate turned back and said, bye, she'd say goodbye. So that morning went the same routine, passed by, and he said goodbye, she said goodbye. So he went out of the street and began to think, what if something happened to me today, or something happened to her, that I know we never meet again in this earth. He got to thinking about it and said, God began to deal with me. He ran back to the house real quick, just opened the door, just standing behind the door, still weeping. Said he never said one word to her, but just pulled her around and kissed her again. Turned out that door and went out. Went to the gate and came back and said goodbye. But she said goodbye. Like she did, said the, the difference was, the last time there was a feeling in it. <laughs> he that's the way it is. There's got to be a feeling. There's got to be something that, that's projected from you to meet the person you're talking to. A few weeks ago, down in Mexico, we were, were talking down there and on the platform. There was an old man came to the platform who was blind. I looked down his old wrinkled feet and they were probably never had a pair of shoes. Just all over the poor old man, 
And he wanted to kneel down and take out his rosary for a prayer to eat and the boss to say his prayer. I raised him up. And to this day, I said, no need of doing that. But when he put his arms around, right, I thought, you know, that my daddy would live in just within about his age. And here I am with a pair of shoes on. I looked down and it, it wouldn't fit him or I'd have given him a shoe. But to feel that poor man so deprived and then to know after all of that, never maybe a good meal, no clothes for it to wear. Maybe life had had a lot of burdens, but only a, a man of who like he would know. Then to be shut off and brought in where he couldn't see. Something inside him began to bleed. Oh God, that poor mortal. A man like I am has a feeling. He loves, eats, drinks, lives. He's a man. And he's in this condition. While praying for him, put my arms around him, his old hands ran across my shoulder, patting. I said, Heavenly Father, if this would make me feel strange like that, what does it do to you? In a few moments I heard him screaming and going on. He had received his But it won't make, make any difference of how much theology and of how many ways we turn to scriptures to make it fit our point. There will never nothing take the place of love. Where that it comes, they shall see first off, it will vanish with knowledge, it will be the same thing, but love will endure forever. And if we this morning, of Christian people and facing the great crisis that's on the earth today. And in meetings like this, if we could concentrate for one thing, the purpose in our heart that we love the heritage of the Lord Jesus, that we could feel it. The other evening I was speaking in the tabernacle church behind the place here, speaking on love. And how that we must have the feeling of the people. We must feel for them and love them. Love is the greatest weapon that God ever put into the hands of man. And through that, you can't fool people. You can't, you knowing I was a game warden, conservationist, my mother's a half Indian, and I, I love outdoors. And just a little sideline now to life to let you know uh, what I mean when I'm speaking this. Until the bird gets on the Christian church, the lost souls will fight in the air. Let us stop as speaking, I believe, in gifts and signs and wonders, but certainly that goes with the body. But let's not put that ahead of love and lost souls. Let's get into a burden on our hearts. The Holy Spirit marking the Jews in the first of Jerusalem, he only comes to those who sighed and cried for the abomination that was done in the midst of the city. Now perhaps this morning would take us to this challenge. All the glory, all the power, all that God has given to us here in the great things that we've seen. How many 
many of them were faced by Patty Clyde inside for the abominations of Minneapolis. There you are. You only marked those kinds. Now, to show how love is projected, this is, you might laugh at this, but it's, it's true as I'm standing here. One time, I was out in a, a field, one of the game wardens, and they had been, uh, a bull had killed a colored man at the Burke farm just below where I live, a great Guernsey bull. And he had, had been sold away to another man. And he just turned him loose into the pasture, and I knew that bull was there, but I never saw. I was over on the creek, turning loose some fish, and I thought of a man that called for me to go pray for him. So going up across the hill to pray for the man, being about perhaps three or four hundred yards from the fence, in a little clump of bushes, this Jersey bull was bedded down there. And when I got close to him, he raised up. And he was the killer. I looked back to the fence. There was two thousand around me to go swimming. There was no tree for me to get into. Well, I thought, this is the end. I can't go no farther. For if I try to run, he'll catch me. So what can I do? Now, that's when we come to these crises that when solid grace steps in, then something happened in my life that I wish it would, if it ever comes again, that it'll never leave. And I only wish that there was some way that I had the power this morning to project this to this group of men and women here. And it would never leave you. Like in the maniac of Fort up at Oregon when he ran through the platform to kill me. Many of you read that book. Something happened there. You've often wondered, I guess, how those things happened. If something in the city of despising that man, though he was there to take my life, a divine love set in for him. And he called me a hypocrite to take the grass, and thousands of people sitting there, and he spit my face, drew back his fist, and said, I broke every bone in your body. People probably sitting here was there. But instead of despising the man, something grace came in. In the moment when I needed it, grace stepped in and projected a divine love into my heart where I could protect to him and talk there stands a man like a man like I am. But he, he likes to eat and drink and his family. But the devil has him bound. So the love of God constrained me and the man humbled himself and fell across my feet. Grace stepped in when love was protected. And in the case of this bull trying to kill me, he got up on his feet, looked at me, and snowed him three or four times and threw his horns into the ground. I looked around, there was nothing. And as an officer, I was supposed to pack a gun, and I wondered why I didn't have it. I would have killed the bull, and they went and paid for him. But I had no gun. God seemed to us, but I had no gun. So he wanted to show his divine grace 
in a crisis hour. And something struck me way better than a gun or any weapon of this world. It was the divine grace that struck my heart. And thinking of that animal, wanted to live the same as I wanted to live. And instead of hating him as he was planning to take my life, I loved him. That sounds juvenile, but it's the truth. And as he rushed towards me, I said, Creature of God, I am the Spirit of God, a more legitimate call to a man who's dying. And our Creator has sent me, and I'm sorry to disturb you out of your rest, but in the name of me who created us both, go over and lay down under the tree. And when he got so close to me within ten feet, I was the more scared of that animal and I would be my brother here this morning. Some divine love, perfect love, has out all fear. And he stopped. He just looked so depleted. He looked both ways, turned around, walked over and laid down under that tree, and I walked in three feet of it, passed by through the field safely. Creatures of God, 
I am the Spirit of God, and I am trying to pay for his six children, and I've got them all my brother, and I disturbed you. And I'm sorry I did this, and I love you. If you mean it, go to work. And if you can't fool a bee, how much more a man? Creatures of God, go back into your nest and I'll watch and not disturb you anymore. Come on over with Lord. And as I'll have to meet God at the day of the judgment, and you people, both point one, two, three more times, and one took a beeline, and every one of them went right back into the nest in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dear dying man, thy precious blood shall never lose its power. For all the awesome church of God be saved to sin no more. Ever since thy faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my team and shall be God. How wonderful he works. How he can do those things. Where some time ago, last year, you Christian businessmen packed your articles on my mind. I might as well tell it. Mr. Mercer, Mr. Gold, who's sitting here this morning, was at my house. Showing in nature. God moves in nature. Love conquers everything. And when love is protected, grace comes in to help us. That's real conquering love. Then, sitting on the porch about 10 o'clock one morning, down the lane came an old possum walking. Many of you heard the story. So he comes walking in there and he's, uh, all the labels all chewed up the dogs or something and broke lines all over it and maggots. Where the they've been grown for so many days. I thought it had a lady. I said to the boy, a young colored girl, we read it in the paper, had taken her baby and wrapped it up and drowned it in the river. And then when we went out to find out this old mother Thompson had nine little bitty naked babies about inch and a half, two inches long. Now possums don't travel in daytime. They prowl at night. So when I seen her in there, I thought to her babies and we put a a rope over it and found out that she was biting and biting that rope. And I said, looky here, there's really no motherly love in this animal, the possum, than there is in that colored girl who found her baby. That's right. And then I looked at the rope, instead of a reindeer playing possum, she took out to the house and Exhaustion fell over. I thought, you see, she only had just a few minutes to live. But there's such a mother love to her that she'll stand those, stand those moments that she's got left to that motherly love constraining her to give those moments for those babies. There's no love to the animal for her baby and the world for that 
still woman. All day she laid in the sun, lowering the little conscious nursing look. You'll come That night, Mr. Woods come by and took him out for a while. The rest come back in the eleven o'clock. She's still laying there. So she's gone. Miss Woods said to me, she said, Billy, why don't you kill her? I said, I can't do it, Miss Woods. She's a mother. Well, I said, them little babies will die a horrible death. Did you have to punch her to see if there's any life in her? I said, she came all over her head, chewed up, the legs are all chewed up. So she's got to die. And she said, she's just suffering. So it's only a humane thing to take her life. I said, but Sister Woods, she's a mother. She's crying for those babies. So for the babies to go down all the way, she learned to pick up the little ones. She's a vet here. Just throw them on the ground, kill them or something, and they'll die quickly. So if you're a hunter, why don't you take your gun and shoot them? I said, I'm a hunter, but I'm not a killer. Then the next morning, getting up, my little girl was back just sitting here somewhere this morning. She was out on the porch early. And she, I looked at her. I got up, I took the rest for a while through the night. And I know a setting conservation, if that an animal life, if that possum would have ever moved, she'd have moved when the sun went down. And any other hunter or conservationist knows that. She'd have moved when the sun went down. But she laid all night and those little possums were still trying to nurse their mother. Becky said to me, my little girl of eight years old, she said, Daddy, are you going to kill her? I said, no, honey. I said, what are you doing up there early? You run on in the house of mom. I went over there, I kicked one of a foot, do it all over, just still in there, but I see it quarter now through, she's alive. I thought, oh, what can I do? I made Becky go back to the house. I went in the den room and sat down, sitting there, rubbing my forehead. I thought, well, I don't know what to do with this animal. I just then something said, well, you were talking yesterday about love. And this possum loves her baby so much, I sent her up here to your door, and she's laid here for 24 hours, her turn to be prayed for. <laughs> I waited. I said, Heavenly Father, if the rejecting of a human being for love for her baby, and you put love in that animal which could not, it hasn't got a soul, it has to be guided by the Holy Spirit up that lane everywhere from the woods and turn into the only place that had a gate or a fence. I said, I'm sorry. And went out there and said, Heavenly Father, if you have directed this dumb animal to be prayed for, and I've been stupid enough or so busy that I never recognized it was you, then I pray, God, that you'll heal the possum. And it's God Almighty who we stand before. My God and judge. That possum turned over and looked at me, raised up, Picked up her baby, stuck him in her pocket, stuck that tail up in the air, walked right down that road, got up in the gate and turned around and just said, Thank you, sir, and went straight to the woods with her baby. <laughs> what was it? 
walk in the colors of our heart and the love of that possum to her baby, divine grace to an animal, send it to the place for a prayer of delivery. If divine grace will act that way upon an animal, what will it be to a human being who will consecrate themselves to divine love of the Lord Jesus Christ and is recognizing that we're on board all the coming one thousand in Dallas, Texas. And we got into a storm. And the plane came down at Memphis, Tennessee. And I went into the Peabody Hotel there to stay all night. And while I was in there, they told me tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock the plane will go. And there'll be a car calling to pick you up. I said, all right. The next morning I got up the five books and letters. I brought a letter down to the post office in Maryland. I was going down the street. This has been about eight or ten years ago when I first met you Pentecostal people. I was going down the street a hundred other songs. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain. And as I went down the street, something said to me, Stop! You believe in being led by the Spirit of God? Sure. Something said, Stop! And I stopped. And I was, I was just in the post office. And it was the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad today that He's still the Holy Spirit. And as stopping, I got up into a little place. I prayed, I said, Heavenly Father, is that you talking to me? And just as plain as you hear my voice, something said to me, Turn and go back the way you come. You ever have something like that to happen to you? Follow the readings then. So I turned and went back all past the hotel, way down, way over into another place. I thought, my, look at my watch. So it was time for the plane to leave. And something kept urging me. As I moved on, something kept saying, move on. I moved out of the better part of the city, down towards the river, way down. I thought, what am I doing going on here? I didn't know. Many times, you don't have to know. How long is the time place of weeds? And as I walked on down towards that river, I looked at my watch. Hour passed. Past the time for the plane to go. But the Holy Spirit said, move on. I kept on moving to about out amongst the colored folks. Down there in the world colored district, that was many little houses. And as it went down a little hill like, I was walking on there and I looked leaning over the gate. There was an old, typical ancient mama, colored lady. And I was singing that little song that you Pentecostal people sing, I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. I was going along thinking about it. Beautiful morning. Spring time. Come along high. Yours from the side tree hills and the honeysuckles and roses was perfuming the valley. Such a beautiful morning. 
the place to be. And they are being led by the Holy Spirit. I looked at this old colored woman. When she seen me coming, she began to wipe her eyes. She looked again. She wiped her eyes and she started smiling. I thought, what's on her mind? I quit singing. Started walking on by like that. She said, good morning, Clausen. I said, good morning, Auntie. I thought I wanted to ask you something. How did you know I was a person? He said, Parson, just a minute. He said, did you ever read the story about the Judahite man in the Bible? I said, yes, ma'am. He said, I was that kind of woman. And said, I pray to the same God, the God of Elijah. And said, I asked him and promised him that he'd give me a child. That I would love it, take care of it, and would dedicate it to him. And she said, the Lord, give me a boy. Said, I love him. And I still love him. And said, I'll dedicate him to the Lord. But the person, I'm sorry, she's gone astray. And he said, two days he's been unconscious. And said, the doctor man was there. And said, he'll never wake up no more. And said, he's unconscious. And I said, on his bed last night. Just part of grace. So, Mother's love. So, I was sitting on my bed last night, Carson. I said, Oh, Lord, you give me the baby and answer the prayer. I turn it back to you according to what I promised you. Now, Lord, he's got rid of the state. Got on the wrong company and he's dying with venereal disease. Four plus in his blood. And so now, Lord, I love that child. That's love. And when love is protected, divine grace is got to step in. He said, I pray the Lord. So where am I, baby? You give it to me, but where is your life? So oh Lord, and nothing. And she said, I pray for your whole life. He said, this morning, just before the day broke, he said, I dreamed a dream. He said, I've seen a man come walking down the street wearing a white pan suit and a pan hat. And said, I'll send him. And he said, I've been standing here ever since daylight. That's just the way I was there.
sent me on the road was not a pinup of some sort, but was a motto God bless our home. No love on the floor, the little old arm posters up, but it was home and Christ was there. I looked on the door of a great big fine looking colored boy about 20 years old, making up that old, say 18, 16. He had his flames up in the hand. He goes, mmm, mmm. I said, how long have you been doing that? I said, all night, partner. I said, lady, my name is Brandon. Did you ever hear me? She said, no, Mr. Parson, I never did it. I said, my ministry is preaching the gospel and praying for the church. She said, I've never heard of you, Parson Brandon. And I said, I left the hotel. I'm almost two hours late now for my plane. But I said, the Holy Spirit told me to come back this way. He got the old ticket open and he told me you were coming this way. Thank you. 
got up. If you ever went in a minute, try to clean both up this way. Just stop the Mordecai hand. My friends ain't here with another place. I went up to get a hamburger. I couldn't eat on the train. It cost too much. So I went up to get a hamburger. Jumped off the train while we were leaving to make a train just going to California. And I was going walking along there. Somebody said, Hello, Pastor Bram. One fellow said, Cap on, said, Hi, you person. I said, uh, good morning, sir. Well, I thought maybe getting something to eat. But you don't know me, do you? I said, no, I don't believe it either. Can you remember that morning? That's the Lord that we found in my manner. Yes. But I was well, Andrew. He said, I not only healed, but now, Pastor Bennett, I'll change. And I'm telling the Lord who healed me. Oh, that mother's prayers and dedication and love. When she's called over,
a blessed scene with private bonds, or hearts and Christian love, the fellowship of kindred mind is like to that above. Let that be our prayer in our hearts as we take a hold of one of those hands as fellow citizens and realize that we're leaving this world one of these days. Let's reach around and take a hold of somebody's hand and look now, not to one another, but look to the divine sovereign grace of God to come into all this and the rest of the scene and do something we've never seen done before. All together now.